Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 33 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with the one and only Kyle Leff, and we are here to talk about a third straight Syracuse victory. Uh, Syracuse has beaten North Carolina State and uh, a blowout win over Louisville since we were last with you all. So good times up in Central New York all of a sudden. Three straight wins. Team is playing well. Uh, The cloud of negativity has evaporated. Just some positive, happy things going on right now. The cloud of uh, negativity negativity has gone away, but in its place we had a foot and a half of snow. So all th- the the world is balanced at the end of the day. That we either get happiness and snow, or sadness and rain. And you know what? I will take snow all day. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, I guess it's also what happens when uh, the Syracuse town rival comes to town, nicknamed Pete Davidson. I guess that's oh, also God. when he comes to town. Uh, I know. I, I'll, I'll make a brief comment about him because he honestly doesn't deserve much more than that. I'm not even <laughs> sure he deserves that. But um, my brief comment on him is this. Um, the comments that he made when he, for those unfamiliar, he, he filmed a movie in Syracuse. He was in town. Ariana Grande, who he was dating at the time, also showed up and, you know, they went to some different places in town and, you know, it was big news that that they were here and big celebrities and all that. And after he was done filming, he did an interview and someone asked him about his time here and he basically trashed the entire area, said that there were cops following him around trying to find reasons to arrest him, which wasn't true. And he basically said that Syracuse and Central New York is trash. 
And then he looked at the camera, said never again, Syracuse and flipped off the camera, which was essentially flipping off the town, the city, whatever you want to say, the area. So that's the background. So when I heard that he was the one that was going to be accompanying Adam Weitzman to the game against Louisville, my first thought was why? What would be the rationale or the need to bring in someone who's essentially said that your whole area is trash? But then I thought, you know what? Maybe he's grown, right? Maybe he said, hey, that was a younger, more immature me. I apologize for my comments. I was told when I was here that the carrier door was a place I really needed to go and give it a chance to get a, a true feel for the area. So I'm coming back. I'm going to go to a game. And, you know, I hope that we can um, chalk that up to me just being an idiot and, and move on. And I think if he had done that, I think all is well, no big deal. Right. But instead, he didn't do any of that. And there was a video that circulated of him just saying, oh, thanks for having me. And can there be peace now? It's like, well, in order for there to be peace, you have to first apologize for being an idiot. So let's let's start with that. And then, you know, we can move on and, and whatever else. And I saw a lot of comments on social media, people saying, you know, some of the things that he said, things that we haven't said about our own town. But it's one of those where it's like, if it's my town, I'm allowed to trash it you from the outside or not and it's the same thing like when i was growing up right i have a younger brother i'm allowed to pick on him i pick on him i can call him names i can beat him up whatever else because i'm the older brother you random kid who's not in our family you don't dare say a word i will then have beef with you even if i said the same thing to him five minutes earlier that's 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 kind of how it works but anyway that's that's all i have to say about that it was it was weird it was uncomfortable i didn't really understand the point but you're also missing the key point part of he left at halftime. You're missing that part. Well, too. I someone else said, and I have no way to know one way or the other, that he didn't actually leave. Leave. He just left his courtside seats to go up into the suite. But again, if I'm going to a basketball game and I have courtside seats to a Division One major conference, high profile program seats, I'm sitting in those seats all game. The only reason you go up to your suite is because you don't really care, right? You're just there to kind of be there because you were paid to make an appearance one way or another. So um, yeah. either way, it, it draws more, more, more of a crowd. It draws in publicity. I honestly will happily take that all day, any day. Um, and if, if Adam Weiss wants to keep bringing people like he did Giannis and Thanasis and now Pete Davidson and we keep winning, I don't think Q's fans will complain. I think that's kind of no, the route we're going if here. It, if it means if if Syracuse wins every home game for the rest of the year, and that means you have to have random celebrities show up to every game, fine, whatever it takes, right? That's Big that's game. a sacrifice we'll all we'll all make. And if that means bringing Pete Davidson back for every game, Syracuse fans will be fine with it, as long as it means wins. Who cares if it's because of Pete Davidson? It's because of Giannis. If it's because of something else, right? Who cares? Darn straight. I'm just excited to see who comes to this Duke game. That's that's going to be a home run. Yeah. Um, still waiting for the invite. Yeah. Still waiting. I mean, Oof. I'll be there covering the game, but, you know, if he's going to offer me courtside seats instead, I wouldn't decline there. Wouldn't decline. No, no. But, uh, you know, he's he's looking for people with hundreds of thousands or millions of, of Instagram followers so that they can help increase his Instagram following. And, you know, I think I'm up to like 320 some odd people on Instagram. So I, I don't hey, think I quite fit the bill of what he's that is for. 324 people that are having a great time and people that also got to witness uh, 
the massacre of Louisville and a, a strong, tough fought victory against NC State. That's right. That is that is very true. So let's let's get into that, um, into these these two wins here. Um, and we're going to kind of rather than breaking down each game individually, since, um, you know, the Louisville game was a blowout. The game against NC State, Syracuse largely controlled it for, for most of the game. Um, rather than breaking those down individually, we're going to kind of take overarching look at what Syracuse has been these last three games during this three game winning streak and, and what this means moving forward. And I want to start with Jesse Edwards because once again, he is just having phenomenal games. It seems like each time out, he's adding something to his game. Most recently against Louisville, he had 19 points, eight rebounds, three assists, three steals, and two blocks in 26 minutes. And as impressive as that stat line was, the most impressive part of the stat line to me is one foul in 26 minutes. And Mike, when and that, did that foul, one foul came, come? When did it that come? came with 10 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game, not in the first half, in the game. And so he didn't play the rest of the game, right? He came out after that first foul. That was it. So he played 26 minutes until he picked up his first foul. And that's off of a game um, against NC state where he also played 26 minutes, also scored 19 points and only picked up three fouls. He had fouled out in the last five games. So he is clearly learning how to not commit the stupid fouls, how to play through foul trouble and how to be smarter on the defense bend. So that to me is a huge area of his development. I think that's a huge, uh, a very impressive part of his performance against Louisville. The other part was the three assists and he has five assists in the last two games. Which is crazy. He's not a guy that you run the offense through. He doesn't stand, you know, with the ball at the top of the key, like Syracuse has had some centers do in the past and sort of dictate and, and facilitate from there. So you could pick up four or five assists without even really thinking about it. Um, in this game, there were a couple of times where, you know, Syracuse was doing, their, you know, typical pick and roll where, where Edwards was rolling to the rim and neither NC state nor Louisville had an answer for him. both were missing their starting centers for those games. And, and Syracuse exploited that perfection, but Edwards, especially against Louisville, there were a couple of times where Louisville would double down against him to try to take away the ease of either a dunk or a layup, et cetera. And he would dish out one time he did to Cole Swider another time he did to buddy Bayheim, found them wide open in the corner for easy three point shots. And that is like, if you're looking at Jesse Edwards at this time next year, that's what you're looking for in terms of his improvement is to consistently be able to make those extra passes when teams start focusing their defensive attention on him as well as adding strength. Like he's got to get stronger. We know that. So if he works hard in the off season and is able to add another 10 pounds and some muscle, et cetera, and then continues to develop as a passer, that's what will make him a more all-around player and is why he's going to play professionally, whether it's in the NBA or overseas, he's going to play professionally for a long time. And it's because even though he's in year three at Syracuse, he is still just scratching the surface of what his overall potential is. He's probably five, six years away from maximizing all of that. And you're starting to see that eat aim as he continues to uh, you know, add little, little parts of his game here and there. 
It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. He is improving right before our eyes, and it is amazing to see. Uh, Just going back to his performance offensively, uh, he is 22 for 28 in the last three games uh, with eight total fouls for those keeping track at home. That is 50 points total for him in these three games, which is for Jesse feels almost insane to think that means he's putting up just over 16 points a game, averaging just under three fouls a game, which if you said that a month ago, we would have laughed you off and thought you were psychotic. Um he again, he's he had one foul last game, one in 26 minutes. That's wild to think. He is improving, he's getting better offensively. Him, the thing I saw most, I loved the most, was him screening off ball for Buddy. He did it multiple times, like just off the corner, um, from the top of the underrated top part of his game. It underrated part of his game. And it makes a world of a difference because if he screens for Buddy, all of a sudden, if you are the Buddy Buddy's defender plus the big man, instinctively they say, "Okay, Buddy's got we got to defend." So they both stay up. Jesse rolls under; he's open. All of a sudden, easy layup, or he catches it and dishes back out to someone for an open three. Both both ways, totally cool with it. Or if the guy drops, the the big the one of the defenders drops down. And then Buddy's got a one-on-one. There's a very strong chance it's a one-on-one against the big man. And I will take Buddy Bayheim all day against a seven-footer uh, who can't move as well. I'm picturing Brahma Sidibe. If it's Brahma versus Buddy, I am taking Buddy all day uh, on the three-point line in that matchup. It's either way, you're sitting at just a great spot. And he exploited that all game against Louisville. It, man, it makes me happy to see. Yeah, and, and Syracuse has had that in in other games or, uh, earlier this season, um, where when Jesse is setting those screens, they are indeed switching basically every single time. And Syracuse is doing a really good job of then going to Edwards with a guard on him. I mean, that's the other side of it, right? You either you get Buddy on a big, but then if you if you want real high percentage shot, you've got Jesse Edwards in the post against a guard. I mean, so you're you've got a great matchup either way. And, you know, going back to, as you mentioned, he's 22 for 28 in his last three games. He's shooting 70.4% from the field on the season. I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous percentage. And just to put that in perspective, he is one shot short of the minimum number of attempts needed to qualify for that stat um, in on the NCAA leaders. If he had taken one more shot, even if he had missed it, He'd be number one in the country in field percentage, which is bonkers. It's it is. I mean, yes, half his half his points come off of dunks, but dunks are as high percentage as they get. If you miss a dunk, I am so sorry. I don't want to see you again. But but see, the thing is, though, is he's working so well off the ball and he's he's using his feet to, you know, when he gets the ball in the post. 
and he has a man on him. He's using his feet well, and he's either passing or he's able to go around a guy and score. So yes, he's gotten a, he's gotten a lot of dunks in the last two games, especially. But it hasn't been all dunks. He had a play against Louisville where he was rolling down the lane, got the ball, and got bumped by a Louisville defender, flipped the ball up, and it went in. And plus, he got the foul, and then he went and made the free throw. So yeah, there, there are dunks, um, but it also that tells you a couple of things. One, Syracuse is finding teams that are not good at covering the roll on the pick and roll and are exploiting that. B, that Jesse Edwards is doing a great job because he catches the ball. And a huge improvement from where he was last year is when he would roll last year, as soon as he would catch the ball, he would immediately bring the ball down. And when, even if you have a smaller defender on you, that makes it much easier to just slap the ball, knock it away. All of a sudden it's a turnover instead of an easy bucket. He keeps the ball up and he almost catches and goes into his dunking motion, like all in one smooth stride. So just so much improvement from last year. Uh, he's going to, it's either going to be him or um, I'm forgetting his name from Clemson. I, I want to say it's Peter Hall. Um, yeah. It's Hall well, is I, the last name I, I know. Yes. Um, but regardless from Clemson, um, he's, he's spun out PJ Hall, PJ Hall. There you go. Um, it, it's going to be Jesse Edwards or PJ Hall. Cause PJ Hall has had, a, a huge game as well, or a huge season as well this year as a starter. Whereas last year, um, you know, he was coming off the bench and, and only played about 10 minutes a game and averaged three and a half points. Whereas, um, you know, kind of similar to, to the numbers that Jesse Edwards is putting up, I think he was putting up a point and a half or whatever it was uh, per game last year. And this year, PJ Hall is averaging 15 points and six rebounds a game. And he's shooting, you know, he's only shooting 48% as opposed to 70% from Jesse. But you can see how there's going to be a debate between those guys from three points and two rebounds a game to 15 points and six rebounds a game um, in, in PJ Hall. And then with Jesse Edwards from two points and two and a half rebounds a game to 13 points and seven rebounds a game. Um, and, and of course, Jesse is going to have a big advantage in terms of blocks and steals as well. So, um, He's he's put himself into that position, no question. He the has. other guy I want to talk about that's that's played so well in these during these three games that you know, we were talking about this off air before we started recording is Joe Girard. He is as polarizing as it gets on this Syracuse basketball team. We've heard the vitriol when he's had bad games this season, and he's had them. There's no question. You know, he's a D3 player. He belongs at Oswego State. Um, he only is good at the YMCA and he's not a starting player in the ACC and, and all of this stuff. Um, you know, he's not a point guard. I've heard that quite a bit. My favorite it's one. It's hard to. Yeah. My favorite one is that he's not an L.A. fitness level guy, which is my favorite. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a good one. Um, so, you know, it, you can have concerns and or issues with Joe Girard in his game. He's a, he's a flawed player as just about everyone in college basketball is there's no question. Um, and he has deserved criticism for his play in some games this season. No question about that as well. It just, it's gone too far with the D three stuff and blah, blah, blah. So the last three games, he's been phenomenal. He's, he's been flat out fantastic. Not only 
you know, he's, he's shooting the ball. Well, um, you know, he's averaging 15 points, um, making, you know, two to three, three pointers a game. Uh, but it's, it's the five assists, the four rebounds and the nearly two steals a game, but he's only turning it over twice per game. And then that, down he's on the season he's averaging three turnovers a game but in the last three he's cut that down to two and then his assists are up to five so a five to two assist to turnover ratio is is pretty good you would certainly take that um but as, as much as we talked about jesse edwards with that pick and roll game and how you know syracuse is is finding him when he rolls to the rim a lot of that's coming from joe gerard and he has passed the ball extremely well. He's been fantastic in transition, finding the right guy, not forcing the ball when it's not there, getting Syracuse into its offense, uh, really good court vision. Teams are still pressuring him when he's bringing the ball up the court, and he's been better there at not having those stupid turnovers. NC State tried to do it. Louisville tried to do it. Wake even tried to do it a little bit um, you know, a few games ago. And he seems to have taken a step forward in that regard. Teams are going to still keep doing it, but you feel a little bit more confident about his ability to handle that. Um, and, and so I, I think, I think a big, there's several reasons why Syracuse has played much better and played so well offensively in these last three games. Jesse Edwards is certainly one of them. Cole Swider and his ability to make shots is certainly one of them, but Joe Gerard's emergence emergence is probably the wrong word, but his, his uptick in play specifically from a point guard perspective and how he runs the offense has been a big reason why as well. I was going to say his emergence as a point guard has been the biggest thing for this offense. It is not him being Joe Girard. It is him being a point guard, which is what this team has needed. Scoring the ball has not been a problem for us. We know that we can shoot the ball a billion times and go 45% from three. If we really wanted to, And we know we can do that without Joe shooting the ball 30 times a game. That is totally cool. What we've lacked has been a point guard. We have not had that. Joe has not been that. That has been the biggest problem. But he's shown he can be that now. As you said with the turnovers, it was so like so often with him to be one turnover, then all of a sudden seven in the next game. And then one again, and then six. And then one again, four, one, five. And it was just this sporadic, there's no it's ebb and flow. It's so 50-50 on what game you're going to get. But right now, averaging two turnovers a game, last three, he's keeping it consistent. Two turnovers a game is better than seven and six and five. And as you said, the assist numbers are also going up. He is now sitting averaging more assists per game. He's averaging just over five assists a game, 5.3 to be exact. That is really, really good. If you're going up assist-wise and down turnover-wise, for those wondering, that is good for a point guard to be doing. That means you are having more chances to score the ball and less times of giving the team another chance to score themselves. That is humongous. As you said, has he shot the ball lights out? No, but he's been really good. He has done exactly what he's had to do. From three, he's shooting around 50%. He's shooting perfectly fine. He's shooting over 40. That is good. From the field, not so much, but at this point, whatever, he's playing well in general. The shooting will come with him. We all know that. He's a streaky shooter. That is totally cool with me. Uh, for right now, that is fine. And I know we'll discuss in a second. I said the rest of the offense is playing so well. It doesn't matter if Joe shoots under 40% from the field because of how well everybody else is playing. I mean, we'll discuss it in a bit, but it's it's beautiful to see what is happening when he, Joe Girard 
is a point guard instead of JG3. And that sounds so strange to say and came out of my mouth, but he's a point guard. And that's finally what he's playing as right now. Yeah. And what's crazy is, you know, I've had the, he's not point guard discussion on, on social media, um, Facebook and Twitter multiple times this year, last year, um, he's fourth in the ACC in assists and, um, he is third among point guards. He is for much as people get on him for his defense, he's fifth in the ACC in steals. Um, and he's second in the ACC in three point percentage. So, you know, number one in the ACC in free throw percentage as well, by the way. So, you know, that's, it's, you know, and, and yes, he's 12th in the ACC in, in assist to turnover ratio. So yes, the turnovers have been an issue at times this season. We, we are well aware of that. We've discussed that, but the last three games um, he's, he's gotten much better yet. I think it was, it was the SC state game or the wake forest game where he had eight assists and just one turnover. Just, you know, he's, he has taken a, a step forward here and, you know, obviously he's got to keep going. There's no question, um, you know, that, that he's got to continue to play at that level um, as, as a point guard. But, um, you know, sometimes guys sort of turn a corner at different times and perhaps this is Joe Girard doing that. And obviously that would be extremely beneficial to Syracuse if that happens. Um, but, you know, the, the last three games, Joe and Jesse, as we've discussed, have been key parts of it, as has Cole Swider. He's shooting the ball so much better the last three games. Buddy Bayheim is who he is. He had he's had 19 points last couple of games. He had 30 against Wake Forest. Jimmy has had 14 points against Louisville. The offensive attack with those 92 points, it hasn't been because Buddy's scoring 35 or 40 every game. It hasn't been because someone is scoring 35 or 40. In fact, in the last two games, Syracuse has scored 89 and 92 points. That's a lot of points, Mike. It's a lot of That's, points. That's a lot of points. Well, we scored 89-92, and before that, we had 94 against Wake. You forgot that one. But in, in the last two specifically, nobody has scored over 20 points in an individual game. And that is bonkers, if you think about it. Syracuse scored 89 points on the road. Nobody scored 20 or more points. Against Louisville, Syracuse scores 92 points at home. Nobody scored over 20 points. That tells you how balanced this is. And, and listen to the balance of the scoring against Louisville, just in, as an example. Here are your starters. 14 points, 15 points, 19 points, 11 points, 19 points. Now look at the shot selection. Here's, here's your, your uh, shot attempt. 7, 11, 11, 7, 13. It's so balanced. And that tells you a couple of things. Syracuse also had 21 assists on 32 made baskets. So take all of that into account. <clears throat> Why is that? Because this team, as much as they've been crapped on by a lot of people all, all season for losses to bad teams, Georgetown, Pittsburgh, Colgate, and losing close games that you think that they should win, playing poor defense, losing record at 9-11. and 11. Despite all of that, this team has never cracked in terms of their togetherness. They, you have new guys like Jimmy Beheim and Cole Swider who are new to the program and still trying to figure out the system on both ends. You have a guy like Jesse Edwards, who's playing a much larger role than he's ever had to play. And it seems like 
everything's finally starting to click. It's, you know, earlier in the season, even when they were scoring points, it looked a little bit more difficult, right? It looked like it was, it was a little bit more um, challenging for them to get shots that they want. The last three games, it's looked really easy because they're sharing the basketball. They don't care who it is that scores. It's whoever happens to have the open look. If someone is shooting the ball well, they're looking to try to get that guy some extra looks, whether it's Cole, whether it's Buddy, whether it's Jesse dominating inside. They're unselfish. They like playing together. And they're confident in each other. And you can see it with the way that they play. And I think all of that is why you've seen this balanced attack the last three games. And they're this balanced and you've got four guys on the floor that can hit the three. If you leave them open, because I'll include Jim in that he's, he shot a pretty high percentage this season up around 37, 38, somewhere in that range. And so you've got those four players that can shoot. And then you've got Jesse inside who you have to account for because he's proven that he can put up big numbers offensively. And then the players are all sharing the ball and are unselfish and don't care who it is that score. I mean, here's, here's the other thing I'll point out, right. But before I turn it over for for your thoughts here, Kyle is I mentioned the 21 assists, listen to the assist numbers from the starters, five, four, three, one, five. The one was from Cole. Um, But you had among your starting five players, you had 18 assists and your shooting guard and your power forward each led the team with five assists and that tells you and then your center dished out three of them that that tells you that's that's from from the louisville game that tells you where this team is with its balanced offensive attack and it is so difficult to defend a team that can put those shooters on the floor a couple of which are getting much better at taking guys off the dribble getting inside along with a legitimate low post interior scoring threat and Jesse Edwards, it is so difficult to defend this team. It is so difficult to defend this team. And the player I want to highlight out of what you've said, and it's the obvious one is buddy behind. And there's a, a weird thing that I'm, I'm looking at, looking at the stats for it. And it's intriguing to see this. So firstly, buddy is shooting lights out right now. He's 14 for 28 from three, uh, 24, 50 from the field, the last three games. That is 50% from three, which is more than elite. Um, He's firing in all cylinders. He's shooting like perfect percentages, all that fun stuff. Um, And the big thing for me is looking at the NC State game. That is the one that I key in on. And the reason is out of all games, Buddy has shot 45% or better in. There was only one game we lost that uh, I'm totaling up. There was one, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven total games where he shot 45% or better. We are six in one of those games. Out of Virginia, James, the, one, uh, the, the one game he did was against Florida State, where it was 46% from field. From field. Oh, okay. But for games he shot under that, there was a single game we've won, and it was NC State. That is the first game where he shot under 45%, and we won. And I know I'm being really specific with my stats, but when Buddy doesn't shoot 45%, that game proves it. We don't need him to shoot very well to win. That is the big thing. 
is it felt like early in the season, they were throwing it to Buddy and saying, do, just do stuff, do stuff for us. Make the offense go through you. Either you score or you find somebody else to get the bucket. That's not happening anymore. It's not being forced down his throat. Joe is being a point guard. Cole is making shots. Jimmy is playing better. The emergence of Jesse Edwards has been dynamic for them because all of a sudden, as we've said, him pick and roll, him in a screen is becoming a nightmare. But he now knows he can trust Jesse rolling to the rim. He can trust he's going to make it. He's going to dunk it or he's going to find the open man now. He can trust that. He doesn't have to shoot lights out, even though he's shooting 50% from three, which for anybody, even including Steph Curry, is good. Like he's in rare air right now shooting the ball, but doesn't have to chuck it up 20 times a game. That's the big thing is he doesn't have to chuck it up 25, 30 times. He can put it up 16 times, which he's been averaging 16 shots a game. He can shoot that and make eight of them from two or from three and be totally fine because at the end of the day, we're playing so well offensively. Everyone else is, it's not going through him. He's getting better looks. He's getting more open looks. He's going to start making more. This is the thing we said could change our season. That if the rest of the team starts playing well, kind of everywhere, but it gets more open looks, we become very dangerous tournament-wise. That was the one thing we said. We were saying it in a negative way, but that's what we were saying had to happen. And everything has clicked. The, like, the stars have aligned, and it's happening. If you told us four games ago this is going to happen, we would have laughed at you. Our most listened to episode of the last of the basketball season was the the episode where we torched Jim Beheim. It was the longest episode. It was filled with rants. And it was our best episode because everyone felt the same pain of what do we do? And we and if you told us then that this is going to happen the next three games, we're going to rattle off 90 plus point victories, basically three in a row. We would have laughed you off and continued laughing while the season ended for us. But no. We're back. We're back, baby. I don't know what has happened. I don't know who's eating their Wheaties now, but it is chef's kiss. It is beautiful to watch happen in front of our eyes. I don't think they're eating Wheaties. I think they're eating that uh, that three wishes cereal. Oh, three, three wishes, buddy. Beheim cereal. You know what? <laughs> yeah, that, that must be what Even it is. Better. So, you know, your point about Buddy and his shooting percentage the fact that they just finally had a game where they won, where he shot under 45%. I think that that proves the balance that, that I was just talking about is they don't need him to have to have an incredible shooting night to win anymore. Um, now, obviously you're better when he does, um, you know, want him to make those shots, but because everyone else has stepped up and Colt Swider's starting to shoot better and Joe Girard's playing better and Jesse Edwards is, is scoring at a little bit of a higher clip. You don't need Buddy to score 25, et cetera, to win games. And, and that takes a lot of pressure off of him. And now he doesn't feel like he has to force things. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's as big of a factor as any in, in these last three games. Um, another is, is defensively. Now, Against NC State, the defense wasn't good. Uh, it was better in the second half, but overall wasn't all that good. Um, it was pretty good against Louisville in the first half, was really good against Wake overall. So we saw of these three games, we saw one game where the defense was really good for most of the game. We saw another where it was good for a half, 
We saw another where it was good for a half. Um, the one thing I'll say is it seems like they're starting to get a little bit more comfortable defensively. And I don't think that this team is ever going to be a great defensive team. We've said that numerous times on this, on this podcast this season, but the ability just to be a competent defensive team, a decent defensive team, even a slightly below average defensive team with the way that this team can play offense, that defense can win you a lot of games. We've started to see that a little bit in the last three games. And and when you look at Louisville, you know, Louisville scored 69 points. They shot 40% overall, but just 29% from three in the first half. They only scored 26 points. They were only 33% from the field and were just two for 16 from beyond the arc. Um, Now, some of that was missed shots, but some of that was also getting a hand in guys' faces, contesting shots, good rotations. You know, Syracuse forced 14 turnovers in this game um, against NC State. They forced some turnovers against Wake. They forced 11 in the second half. So, you know, you're starting to see some signs that defensively, at least they can be on the competent side a little bit more frequently than earlier in the season. I remember earlier in the season, I don't know exactly where we were, but we ranked somewhere in, I believe, the 300s defensively. And for those wondering, there's only like 300 some odd teams in Division One, So we were basically bottom of D1. We were definitely bottom of Power 5 schools. We were, we were one of the worst. So... Seeing us now where we are is crazy because early in the season, on top of that, we only saw good defense for one to five possessions a game. That was basically what we got out of them. But now that we're saying, oh, we got it for a half, that's not great. That is extraordinary compared to where we were this season. If we're getting it for a half, if we can score like we are and we get good defense for a half, that should give us enough time to score as much as we need to. Obviously, we want good defense for an entire game, but if we get it for a half really good defense, it is a starting point for our offense to get going. And say they aren't going well with their defenses, and the game is still close. Always in the second half, if the offense gets going, it doesn't matter. We're better offensively than most of the nation. We can keep up with anybody or outscore anybody. So the end of the day, where we're at offensively, is this that might be the most absurd thing that has happened. That might be the most stars have aligned convergence thing that has happened this season is our defense looks average, which average is good. You know, in college D's get degrees, but we're sitting at a C plus right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, to to your point about where Syracuse was in in defensive efficiency earlier this year, they were, you know, in the low three hundreds right now they're 238. So despite how bad offensively they were earlier in the season, they've jumped up about 70 spots, which tells you there's at least some improvement, even if it's not great, as we've noted. Uh, but Syracuse is now 15th in the country in offensive efficiency, and um, Syracuse is ranked 73rd overall in Ken Palm's um, ranking, uh, efficiency rankings, and they are the they have the most losses of any team in the top 90, which that is not something that you want to brag about necessarily, but it tells you that despite Syracuse's record, a lot of the metrics and the analytics, and even, you know, you start looking at things like the ESPN um, 
matchup predictor, which I look at in every game. You look at things like Vegas lines and all of those things have had a ton more respect for Syracuse, even while they were losing games than I think any of the fans or media that was covering them did, which is always interesting to me is they kind of not to say that they were predicting or expecting a turnaround, but there was something that despite the losses they looked at and said, this team is still a team that is dangerous when it goes up against other teams. And, you know, perhaps we're starting to see that come to fruition defensive improvement, certainly part of that. Um, But the, the one negative thing here is that the bench is still an issue against Louisville. Yes. Frank Anselm had six points um, in 13 minutes. Yes, Benny Williams scored three points in 13 minutes. Yes, John Bolajak had two rebounds and two assists in six minutes. Samir Torrance hit a three-pointer and had five points in eight minutes. But most of that came when in the last eight minutes or so when those guys subbed in, when the game, you know, Syracuse is up by about 30 at that point. The game was over. <clears throat> and Syracuse threw its bench players out to give them some run and get them some experience. Um, but in both instances, in the first half, when Syracuse brought in Benny, Frank, and Samir, and in the second half, when they did the same thing, Syracuse's lead dwindled to some extent. It went from, I believe, 11 to 7 in the first half before they put the starters back in and pushed it back up into double figures. And then in the second half, it went from 31 to about 24 or so before, um, you know, the walk-ons came in and kind of finished things out. But, you know, Bayheim said it after the game, they need the, the bench to come in and not have things immediately go the other way. They need to be either keep things as they are, or improve them with, you know, increasing a lead, keeping it where it is. If you lose a point or two, it is what it is. Um, But it seems to be consistently uh, that when you're putting in multiple bench players, the lead, if Syracuse has a lead, it's decreasing. If they're losing, that the other team's lead is growing a little bit. And that's that's the concern going forward. But that's a concern, but that's what you expect when they haven't played all season. I think this is a positive the, the bench is getting more minutes. Obviously, they're not scoring. That's whatever. But in the last three games, Frank is averaging just over 11 minutes. Benny's sitting at 16. And Samir Torrance is sitting at over six. Samir has been hurt. The injury was weird. He's still getting back. So that's whatever. He's going to get more minutes. We know that. But Joe's also been stellar. So there's no need to take him out. If Joe's being crazy, don't take him out for Samir. That's totally Okay. But the fact that Frank and Benny are getting double-digit minutes, again, if you told us that three games ago, I would not have believed you. Because before that, Benny couldn't buy a minute. If Benny wanted to buy a minute, it was going to cost him 30 Bitcoin. And he doesn't have that. Like I, Yes, they're not scoring a lot. They've only had 18 points, the three of them combined, those three guys, in the last three games. That's six points a game total, two points per for each of them, whatever. I don't look at the points right now. I look at the minutes. That The fact that they can get those minutes means when you hit tournament time, all of a sudden you can trust they can play in the game. 
that they're not sitting there ice cold because they haven't touched a court all year. That giving them even a minute or two a game is not good, but giving them 11 and 16 is good. It'll speed up their development. It'll give them time. So when you need them down the stretch, because at some point in the AC tournament or hopefully in the NCAA tournament, there's going to be a point where someone's in foul trouble. If it's Jesse, Frank would come in. If it's somebody else, maybe Benny or Samir comes in. And having these guys now fresh means we have an eight-man rotation, which is good enough to win you a championship. Are these guys scoring well? Is there a bench threat scoring-wise? No. But they'll give you minutes. They let fresh legs happen. They give Buddy a minute or two on the bench to chill. That you can bring Jesse out, keep him out of foul trouble. All of a sudden, you feel safe now. Yes, the lead goes down from 11 to 7, but all of a sudden, Buddy's playing less minutes. You had this game. They are the most minutes with Buddy with 34. Early in the season, he was hitting 40 minutes every game. Six less minutes for him means he can go harder for those six less minutes. He can go harder playing the game, which is better for us at the end of the day. Even just giving them minutes in the end of the day is just beneficial across the board. Will the scoring come? Hopefully. Right now, I will take any minutes we can give them. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, um, as they're playing, you know, even five to 10 minutes in the first half, and then what, how much you play in the second half is determined by, you know, a variety of factors. But if you've noticed during these three games, Syracuse comes out of the locker room and in the second half, they go on a, a pretty significant run to start the second half and put a ton of pressure on the opposing team. Um, you know, they, they were up by 17 at the half against Louisville, but they pushed that thing up to about 25 real quick against wake. I believe Syracuse was trailing the half and they went on a big run to push the lead to double digits against NC state. Syracuse was trailing by three at the half and went on a big run to push to, to grab a double digit lead and, and kind of kept NC state there for most of the second half. So that could be part of the reason why it's happening now that it wasn't early season. Yes. The continuity and, or the, the, you know, familiarity getting more used to playing with each other and all that, that we talked about, but also the fact that, you know, everyone's getting a few minutes of rest and that gives them a little bit of a burst of energy to come out of the locker room. I also think that part of the reason why, you know, we have some of those issues with the, you know, the negativity in terms of how it impacts the scoreboard is neither Anselm, Torrance, or Williams are scores, right? I think your your best bet for any of those guys is Samir taking a guy off the dribble one-on-one and getting to the rim against teams that don't have rim protectors. And he, he can score, you know, maybe once or twice in there. Frank is going to score when someone else penetrates and the center has to rotate off of him and they can dish it to him and he can dunk it. That's, that's how he's going to score. Um, so the problem is when you have one of those guys out there, because Syracuse has offensive threats everywhere else, it's not that huge of a deal. When you have all three of them out there, now the other team only has to guard two players and that makes defending Syracuse so much easier, which is why they don't score at the same rate. So that's, I think, part of it as well, but either way, you know, we're uh, nitpicking a little bit here with how well Syracuse has played offensively that they need to get more points from their bench because ultimately if you're scoring 91 points a game. Doesn't matter where it's coming from. 
That said, let's take a look at Syracuse's upcoming schedule here. They've got Boston College twice in the next three games with a matchup against Virginia Tech sandwiched in the middle. Boston College is not a very good team. They are 9-12 and on the season, but they are 4-7 and in the conference. They have won four conference games. They beat Notre Dame earlier in the season. Now, Notre Dame is playing much better now than they were earlier this year, but Boston College did beat Notre Dame by 16 um, at BC. But um, this is also a team that lost to um, Utah, who is nine and 15 on the season. They lost to, to Utah in a neutral court game. They lost to Rhode Island in a neutral court game. And uh, they lost at St. Louis. They lost to Albany at home. So, yes, they beat Notre Dame, but then they also lost to uh, an Albany team that is 10 and 13 on the season. Um, and they were blown out by North Carolina at home. They lost to Georgia Tech at home. Georgia Tech is 10 and 12 on the year and just three eight in conference. So the point is that this Boston College team is not very good, uh, but they have played some teams tough at home. And Syracuse's game against Boston College on Tuesday is on the road. So Syracuse does have to come in. You can't just sleepwalk through this game. You got to play well. But, um, you know, Boston College is not a good three-point shooting team at 30.8 for the season. Um, their best outside shooter um, is their guard, Zachary, who um, is shooting about 44% on the season. Jaden Zachary, 6'2 guard, um, who is a freshman, but is is having a, a pretty good year. He's third on the team in scoring at, at nine points a game. And again, 44.6% from three and almost everyone else is about 32% or below. Um, so that, that this is a, a, if you can identify him and prevent him from getting open looks, that's how you stop them from the outside. Uh, their best player is Makai Ashton Langford, a six, three senior guard from Massachusetts. He's averaging almost 13 points a game. He also leads a team in assists with three, averages almost four rebounds a game, um, and a little over one steal a game. He's only shooting 32% from the outside, but about 42% overall. Um, he's he's a good guard, someone that Syracuse is, is certainly going to have to account for um, and and make sure that, that they can try to take away his scoring. Uh, DeMar Lundford, is you know a six five wing type you know kind of a shooting guard small forward tweener. He's the only other scorer on the team that averages double figures at ten point five points a game. Um, Boston College doesn't really have a lot of rim protection. They don't really have a ton of size. Um, you know, Quinton Post is a seven foot junior from the Netherlands, but you know he's. He averages about eight and a half points and five rebounds a game, but, uh, you know, only plays about 19 to 20 minutes a game, not overly physical. I think his length will give Jesse a little bit of trouble, but, uh, Jesse is the better player there and they've got, um, a center on their team who has been there for the last couple of years in James Carnick, um, 6'9", 230-pound center who 
hasn't done a ton against Syracuse. Um, their leading rebounder is TJ Bickerstaff, a six, nine lanky forward who averages about um, eight points and eight rebounds per game. So it's, it's an okay team. It's a team that can beat you if, if you're not uh, on your, on your game, but it's not a very good offensive team. They don't shoot very well from the outside. They're not a great defensive team. If Syracuse plays its game, it Syracuse should sweep two of the next three against Boston college. We, we very much so should. And looking at their offense, as you said, it's not very good. Uh, They have put up 70 points, six total times, three of those games for those wondering were Dartmouth, Fairfield and Columbia. So not heavy hitters. If you don't murder 70 murderers row right there. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't put up 70, I'm kind of suspect of you. So outside of those three, I put up 73 times. Basically we have not put up 77 total times this season. Realistically, if we hit 70, that should be game. That should be game over. That's our, our aim. Our aim is to hit 70 points. And that point you should be, you should be clear. They're not good offensively. As in Mikhaish Langford is there. They're one for me. This one scary guy. He's someone to watch. He's a senior. He's someone who is a name to know, just to look at, to watch him. Um, but I don't fear them. Um, I much more fear the Virginia Tech game compared to the two BC games. Um, but I we're riding high. We're scoring ninety basically each game in the last three. 94, 89, and 92. If we don't put up 70, I don't know what has happened. Um, I would think we hit somewhere in the 80s would be my hope. But again, you never know with the Syracuse team at this point. That's right. But here, here's what you need to know about, about Boston College. So Boston College is 13th in the ACC in scoring offense. BC is last in the conference field goal percentage and last in the conference in three point percentage. Um, Defensively, they are 12th in the ACC in field goal percentage defense and 13th in the conference in three point percentage defense. It's a team Syracuse should be able to stop and should be able to score against. Um, Now they're a decent rebounding team. They're fifth in the conference and rebounding margin, Um, but they don't block a ton of shots. Their turnover margin is kind of middle of the pack, but, um, you know, they're 14th in the conference in assists per game, which you don't get assists when you don't shoot very well. That's not a huge, uh, huge thing there, but they are uh, 14th in the conference in assist to turnover ratio. Syracuse is fourth, by the way, for all the turnover complaints uh, from this season, but you know, they, they don't get a ton of steals. They don't get a, a lot of block shots. Um, they're a decent rebounding team. Um, they are second in the conference in offensive rebounds per game. Syracuse is going to have to make sure that they're watching the glass, but Syracuse is better. Period. Yeah, they they this should not be a loss. If this is a loss, I I don't know what has gone wrong. I don't know where we've gone. Uh, any and all of that fun stuff. This should be a a not a cakewalk, but this should be a gimme game for Syracuse. And if you lose these two games or even one of them. It's not good. And again, it feels like a, a weekly thing that I bring up the where are we at in terms of how many games left and getting to that 500 mark. We have eight regular season games left. The AC tournament game, the one we get minimum. 
So that means nine games. We're sitting at 12 and 11. We're above 500, by the way. I would like that to be known. We're sitting pretty right now. We're sitting above 500, feeling good. Um, but you're sitting with nine games left. One is against Duke. One is against UNC. Again, we're assuming these games are losses. You're at 12 and 13 with seven games to go. Going four and three in those last games feels pretty reasonable, if I do say so, um, especially how you're playing right now, which, again, I've said it multiple times this episode. If you said that to us two weeks ago, we would have laughed. <laughs> We're sitting right. really and, pretty right now. And the funny thing is, so that Virginia Tech game is sandwiched between those two Boston College games. We just outlined how bad of a shooting team Boston College is. Virginia Tech's the opposite. They're third in the conference in shooting, number one in the conference in three-point shooting. Um, only a couple of teams shoot more three-pointers than Virginia Tech does, Syracuse being one of them. But they're they're making almost 42% of their shots. As a team, they have the number one shooter in the ACC from three-point range. Um, they're, they're one of the best scoring teams in the conference. They... Um, defensively, they are the second best scoring defense in the conference. Um, they're fourth in the conference at three point percentage defense, and it's at their place where they play much better. That's, that's a much, much more difficult game. And, um, you know, that would not be a game that if Syracuse loses, it necessarily means a huge step back, a loss to Boston college in either of those two games would signal to me that what we thought perhaps was a turning point against Wake Forest. And then the subsequent two games that they've won since for this three game winning streak, a loss to Boston college kind of chew back behind the eight ball in terms of perhaps that wasn't a turning point wins against Boston college. And in, in those two games and a loss at Virginia tech, I mean, you, you at least played decent and aren't blown out by 30 some odd points. I still think you're on track and you feel pretty good, especially with games after that. You know, you got Georgia Tech at home. They've got a losing record. You win the season against Miami at home, a team that you feel like you should have beat on the road. So the upcoming schedule, there's certainly a lot of opportunities for wins. There's no question about that. That'll do it for episode 33 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. For Kyle F., I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.